And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 93rd episode recorded on Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe. I'm joined today by my co-host, Kathy Amos. Today, we will be breaking down your number 16 slash number 15, Indiana Hoosiers' 84-35 win over the Bowling Green Falcons. The Hoosiers have now won nine in a row. That brings their record to 10-1. and one. And as usual, we'll start this show with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Kathy, I'm going to go here, and I'm sure we're going to talk quite a bit about this young lady, but I thought it was an interesting number. Sarah Scalia's 32 points, combined that with Yarn Garzon's 30 points against um, Evansville, was the first time two uh, IU had had back-to-back games with over a 30-point 30 plus points in a game. And you had to go back to 2018 when Tyra Buss did it back to back um, in that, during that season herself. So my banner moment here is Sarah Scalia uh, having the back to back performance of 30 plus points along with Yarden Garzon, excuse me, Yarden Garzon in back to back games for the first time since 2018. Our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And in some news, just again, was a kind of a, a, a week where there was not a lot of news. Nobody's really played much since Friday. Uh, obviously, IU hasn't either. Scalia, Sarah Scalia tied for the second most threes in a game as an IU Hoosier with eight. She now has had six games also of 30-plus points in her career. Uh, combining her time here and at Minnesota. The 35 points that IU gave up uh, on Friday against Bowling Green was the second lowest allowed this season. Only Stetson with 34 had scored fewer. And I also want to remind you, voting is still open at hoophallawards.com, or you can find the link on the IU page, the IU women's basketball page. Uh, Sarah Scalia is up for the Ann Myers Drysdale Award. Yarden Garzon is up for the Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl Miller Award and Mackenzie Holmes is up for the Lisa Leslie Award. And now I'm going to throw it over to my co-host here, Kathy, for the Amos Angle. Let's get her thoughts about Friday's game and also maybe even her her ideas about the banner moment and some news. Yeah. Hey, good evening, Jeff. Nice to see you. Nice to see everyone out there in the chat or watching on YouTube or listening to us wherever you're at. Uh, Belated Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever holiday maybe you are are still celebrating. Um, But really hope everyone was able to get with some friends and family and um, maybe give out some hugs and kisses to people you haven't seen for a while. I know I was able to do that and um, it really kind of helps helps kind of keep things in perspective, I think. So um, got to talk a lot of basketball with uh, my brother and my mom while we were back there and watched a lot of football. So it was just all around good weekend. So for me, that is my banner moment was uh, just being able to get back to Southern Indiana and see a lot of my family. I haven't seen, you know, um, for quite a while, for many months since, you know, we, we live a bit apart. So really excited about the the way that the women I think are coming together, especially defensively, as you mentioned, 35 points was the lowest since um, Stetson, which was only 34 points, which anytime you can hold a team in the, you know, low thirties is just, I think phenomenal. I don't care what their ranking is. That's just really great defense. And I can't remember what Bowling Green averaged coming into this game, but I can guarantee it was definitely more than 35 points. So um, really, really excited about how that defense I think is really starting to gel and you know I know we'll get into it more but wow Sarah Scalia 
just was on fire on Friday night. So really love to see how she's wrapping up her non-conference play as well. Um, so we'll get into it later, but I think this team is really starting to gel at the right time. We're getting into conference season and, you know, there's still some, some warts here, I'm sure here and there that we'll see throughout the year. But honestly, I think that this is just turning into a, a nice team and they're really starting to find their way forward, Jeff. So for me, that that's my angle that I'm, I'm looking at today. Yeah, Kat, I'll go back to the defense real quick and give, kind of pick your brain on that a little bit as well because I thought Terry Moore and kind of hit it, hit it, hit it that, hit that in the post game uh, press conference a little bit on. Friday that she felt the defense was actually making some progress. It may not be quite to what she wants it to be yet, but I I, I got the sense out listening to her that she finally maybe she thought maybe they were getting a corner turned and they were getting to where she's at least expecting them to get to. Whereas in the, past, in the first part of the year, let's face it, the first 10 games, there were many nights where she was pretty frustrated with the defense. I felt like in that post-game press conference on Friday after Bowling Green, felt like she could kind of maybe see the light at the end of the total. What did you can I get that same thing or am I off the mark there? No, I did too. You know, I read some of her comments. I didn't get to watch her post-game press conference, but I read some of her comments in the recap out on the Indiana homepage. And it, it definitely sounds to me she's a lot happier um, with the defense. No, is it where she wants it to be? No. Will it ever be? Probably not. I mean, we're always seeking for for improvement and there's always something I'm sure that they can look at and get to it. Um, but is it the, you know, C's and D's that we were hearing from her earlier this year and this season? I don't think so. I think it's definitely come a long way from um, what it seems like a long time ago, but it was really just a couple of weeks ago that they, they had that comment, right? I think it was around two and a half, maybe three weeks ago. So um, it seems to have really starting to gel with them and and hit the mark and resonate with the team, whatever it is she's saying behind closed doors, because we know she's saying that to us in the press conference and the, the conversations behind closed doors, probably even a little more strong than, yeah. than what we're hearing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, so, you know, Kathy, let's move on to some pivotal plays here uh, in that game from Bowling Green. And I'm going to go first. Um, I just thought the Don't pivotal plays. Then. Huh? Don't steal mine then. <laughs> I'll try not to. Uh, but I just thought, and I don't remember the exact sequence, but there was a point there where Sarah Scalia in that first half, you know, she hit two um, threes in a row, had a layup in there, and you just kind of get the feeling that she was feeling it on Friday night and that she was, you know, and it was one of those nights where it was like, hey, put me on your, uh, I'll put you on my back and I'll carry you. You don't have to have it. You know, we'll, you know, we're going to, we'll have a little bit of this and, and, and I'll be the guy tonight or I'll be the girl tonight. Um, and I thought that took some of the pressure off some of the other players. I thought that the rest of them then played a little bit easier in terms of their, their, their confidence and their, you know, their, their, the pressure that they felt on them. So that, that to me was pivotal. Those, that, that sequence there where Sarah got hot and it was like, just give me the ball and get out of my way. Yeah, I, I think Sarah, I mean, we'll talk about her, I'm sure, later here um, in our in our program tonight. Um, but yeah, she she came out firing for sure, you know, ending up eight of 11 from three pointer. Um, and, you know, I thought that was great. Um, one of the plays I wrote down early on, Jeff, was actually from Chloe Moore McNeil in a similar fashion. You know, we've been kind of talking about wanting to see her a little more aggressive offensively. I thought we got that from her Friday night. And one of the plays that you know, really out of the gate in that first quarter, she took three threes. In fact, the very first shot of the game was the Chloe Moore McNeil three. Now she only made one of those three, but I liked the aggressiveness that we saw from her, um, you know, and she ended up going three for six from three point land. And so I thought Chloe came out a little more aggressive than we have seen her in terms of offense. Um, so I really liked what I saw from Chloe offensively. You know, her defense has been there all night excuse me, all season. And, you know, in, in addition to putting up, you know, nine points, she also had five assists as well to go with it. So I think offensively, you know, some of the more aggressive Chloe that we were hoping to see, I saw a little more of that on Friday night from her. Yeah. And in a game that you win by 50, 49 to be technical, but, but in a game that you win by 50, it's really hard to pinpoint a lot of just 
pivotal plays like you would in a very close game. And I'm going to go back to one that Terry Morin talked a little bit about, uh, Kathy, and that occurred, unfortunately, it you know, uh, for one of our opponents, but I felt like it really did set the tone for the game. And Coach Morin talked about this in the postgame. Um, when Lexi Fleming went down with a knee injury and in the first minute to 90 seconds of the game, and it was pretty obvious that she was not going to be coming back, and you take away the leading score – uh, for Bowling Green, and and even Coach Morin said she felt like it took her players a couple minutes to kind of get back into their you know their their psyche their psyche right in terms of ooh you know that you know because you as an athlete you're looking at that you're going that could have been me I mean it's that that you know it's not it's it's that kind of mentality so sometimes you got to get yourself back into that mind frame but taking Lexi Fleming away from them even though it was an injury and I'm and hopefully she'll be all right. I tried scouring some news, That's Google it. in the last couple of days, could not find anything about her any more than what we saw on Friday, but she was, she's their league scorer. She was the Mac player of the year two years ago. I mean, this is somebody that you take them out of their lineup. Obviously that was going to be a pivotal moment for both teams. And obviously it helped Indiana in the, in the game. Yeah. Um, I thought so too, Jeff. And, you know, I was, I was looking as well and couldn't find any injury updates on her too. So it didn't look good with the knee, but I, I hopefully she'll, she'll come back because, you know, you never want to see anybody hurt at all. And especially somebody that is as talented as she is. So, um, you know, I had a couple plays kind of continuing on with my theme that I wrote down um, that I, I wrote down from Chloe Moore McNeil. Again, I thought, you know, we, I talked about her offensively, but there again in the first half, you know, she's diving on the floor for a steal in the first quarter. In the second quarter, um, she had great defense, almost forced a, a shot clock violation, ended up in a travel from Bowling Green. And then in the third quarter, she comes out again with great defense and ends up um, forcing a jump ball. And those were some of my favorite plays. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I see somebody here on Twitter asking what our favorite plays was that those are some of my favorite plays was just see that toughness on defense. And we've seen that all year from Chloe, but I thought it was even heightened more on Friday night because of her offensive play as mm -hmm. well. Um, so all around, I was really excited about Chloe's play and seeing, seeing all of that from her on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and I think that that part of what I think that Coach Moran's been looking for, not just from Chloe, but from all of them, are they willing to get on the floor? Are they willing to, you know, to lock in defensively for a 30-second span and see if you can get a shot clock violation or force up? We saw this several times in that game on Friday, kind of what you're talking about, and uh, where, where Bowling Green was late, I mean, really late into the shot clock, under five, where they were trying really to get a shot up, and it didn't look like they had much offense going. Excuse me. Um, with that, I also want to point out here pivotal plays. I thought the bench got a lot of play. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of their numbers here in the next segment as well, I'm sure. But I thought it was really important in a game that I thought was going to be a lot closer. We did this preview a week ago. I felt like this was going to be a game that we needed to be you know, be ready for. It was I kind of felt like it was a game where they were going to come in. They had not played some of the better teams well, but I thought just because of what they could do shooting the ball with when they were on, uh, Sharps had scored 25 against South Carolina on Tuesday, I believe, before we played them. And we held her you know, and sharps, you know, get six. So, you know, so their two leading scores basically ended up with, you know, with zero or with six points because, um, Fleming didn't score at all, and then Sharks was six. But I think that's the, the kids on the bench. I thought they played well. I thought you know Lene Beaumont, Jules Lemondola, um, uh, Lily Meister, Lily. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and Lexi Bargesser especially. I thought those four really gave some solid minutes. And if you look up and down the minutes, um, Sarah played the most, but for the most part, everybody was in the low twenties or or the high teens in terms of minutes. Yeah, I, I think so. And Jeff, do you remember who was guarding Sharps? It was hard for me to watch on my little tablet since we were driving driving back, but I can't remember who was a guarding bit, her. A little bit of difference. I think they had I think they had Sid on her for a little bit. I think they had, had Yarden on there for a while. It was never one specific person. Yeah. They may have shifted Chloe over there a little bit more. I wasn't paying as much attention to that matchup. Um, you know, but once Fleming got hurt, they may have shifted Lex or Chloe over there a little bit more mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, um, I didn't have any other notable or pivotal plays, um, Jeff, that I wrote down, um, as you noted in a 49 point win, it was 
not a lot of pivotal plays going on other than we should know, you know, they did hold them again back to that defense to six points and not just one quarter, but two, the first and the third quarter, boy, they held them to only six points in those two quarters. And I thought that just really opened up things for them pretty easily there in that first quarter to get that cushion built up. Yeah. When you look at those two quarters, guy, that's a great point. That's a, those two quarters combined, I use winning 41 to 12. And, yep. and, you know, that's a huge margin, obviously. So they were setting the tone. And I think that was one of the things that we talked about earlier. We kind of hinted around it. That I'm sure that was kind of the message from Coach Morin going into the game and coming out of halftime. Hey, let's go out there and let's establish ourselves defensively in the first few minutes of this game or half. So with that, but no, I don't have any more no uh, pivotal plays. You want to move on to the numbers? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to throw it over to you, Kathy. I'll let you go first here on the noble numbers. Yeah, I think uh, what I was going to talk about was 27, 27. That is the most minutes anybody played, which was Sarah Scalia. And honestly, I'm not sure if we would have had her playing 27 minutes if she wasn't quite so on fire as she was, but it was kind of hard to take her out the way she was shooting and playing. So I think 27 minutes, which kind of parlays into what you were saying with the the bench, you know, we had people coming off of the bench playing 15 up to 20 minutes out of Jules Lamandola. And that is exactly what we wanted to see in this game was, you know, you know, double digit minutes from all of our bench players. So we had um, five bench players with double digit minutes and we had nine different players score in this game. And so to me, that was a nice way to, to get our depth going and our bench players going. Yeah. I'm going to go to one of the things that coach Morin likes to point out a lot of times, even though I didn't see it as much in this post-game press conference, but sharing the sugar, she says, yeah. you know, 21 assists on, on 30 made baskets. So basically seven out of 10 baskets were assisted on. And you already mentioned Chloe had five, but Yarden had four. And, and so, you know, there were, they, they did a nice job. I'm trying to do the math here real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think nine people had an assist, yes. you know, nine different people had at least one assist. So that again, to me, that's going to be a number I'm really watching as we go forward into the big 10 season is, are we able to kind of keep that level of 70, 75% assist rate on made buckets? Yeah, absolutely. You go, um, what do you got? The other number that we've been watching a lot in, in addition to the assists is the rebounding. And we did end up winning the rebounding game, but it was only by four, 38 to 34 in our favor, which I thought was really good. But again, it's where I would expected a little bit more of a margin for us on, on rebounding. So, um, you know, especially when you, you hold their, their shooting here, um, I'm trying to find their percentage maybe have the, the shooting percentage. I would have thought we had a, there you go. 23. Um, thanks. <laughs> Just really it. struggling to find it. I'm not at my usual, uh, <laughs> website that I usually no, do and good. I should not do that anyway um but 38 rebounds which is is fine but again I'm concerned about that coming into big 10 place so more from a um a big picture standpoint you know um allowing them to get 14 offensive right. rebounds um is where I'm kind of concerned on because I think that's where we're seeing still a bit of a gap from this team but what is your overall thought for rebounding I kind of the same. I thought we won. The, it was nice to see us win the battle. I'd like to have won it by more. Now, let's face it. When you're shooting 55%, you know, there's not as many offensive rebound opportunities right. as for a team that's shooting 23%. But we got to – I just thought the margin would be bigger. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this in a later segment, I think, uh, quite a bit. But, again, the alarming number here is against Bowling Green, we gave up 14 offensive rebounds. And that is going to be a concern against the top level of the Big Ten. And, and what, you know, an Iowa, uh, an Ohio State, uh, uh, we're kind of still kind of figuring out who the top four or five teams are in the Big Ten. But, you know, but again, I think those are going to be Illinois and, and, and coming up here on Sunday. Uh, that the Illinois rebounds well. Kendall Bostick is, you know, one of the best rebounders in the Big Ten. And so you've got you've got to make sure you keep their 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 second and third opportunities limited. But I agree with I totally agreed with your first point. Yeah. So um, the other number for me, I think Jeff is turnovers. Um, we only had eleven, um, but four seventeen, and so that's again the nice um, margin in the right way that we want to see. And I know the team's goal is to keep that around ten or or excuse me eleven or twelve, um, and they were right at that that mark. So I think the turnover ma- um, battle here was really spot on for us on Friday night. Yeah, but the concern there is Mac had five by herself, 
and almost yeah. and if I remember right, they were all travels, travels, all yeah. kind of happy feet in the post. That has to get cleaned up, you know, because she's going to see she may not see as much double and triple teaming as she saw from Evansville and Bowling Green, but she's also going to get better post post defenders that can maybe take her one on one or maybe they shade a little bit. It's more one one and a half mm-hmm. rather than a true double. So she's got to clean that up a little bit because. You can't have half of your your turnovers coming from post play down inside with your best right. post player. Yeah, and the interesting thing for me with that, Jeff, is that um, it seemed like we talked about that a lot her junior year around her having happy feet, happy feet. And then last year, all we could talk about was how good her feet were. And it feels like she kind of regressed in that area this year. So I'm hoping that, you know, she'll kind of get some focus on that uh, in the, the upcoming couple of days before we play Illinois, but, you know, I've been hearing in some podcasts and in press conferences and other things that coach Morin has really been pushing McKenzie that she thinks there's a lot more in there um, than she's giving right now. And that will be interesting come conference play. But I think this is one of the areas that probably is it's surfacing is the term turnovers again. Um, you know, because she's still putting up points, you know, she didn't quite as much with Bowling Green, but again, when you have Sarah Scalia putting up the points that she did, she didn't need to, Mm -hmm. but you know, um, yeah, the five turnovers is concerning. If this was one game that we've seen it. Okay. But this has been multiple games. Now we've started talking about McKenzie and and her footwork and in the opposite way, we've talked about it um, last year, which was in the positive. I'm going to build off your turnover number here with two stats. So we'll kind of finish up. I'll finish up with here Uh, points off turnovers. Indiana won that battle 20 to six and fast break points. Indiana won that battle 16 to two. And to me, those really kind of go hand in hand. You know, they know they're not always one in the, in the same, but, Usually, if you're creating turnovers, you're usually getting, you know, obviously the points off the turnovers, but a lot of times those are fast break points uh, or helping to lead to some fast break points. But um, so I thought that those were key numbers. And again, those are being numbers that I don't think you'll see in Big Ten play, but I think you got to win those stats. I think if you're Indiana, I, I don't think you can just try to grind out possession. I don't think that's, and I don't think that's what we've seen from this team this year. We don't see kind of long, grinded out possessions. Um, so I don't think we'll see as, you know, we'll really have to worry too much about that kind of play. But um, Kathy, just real quick, I will mention as well. 56% field goal, 56% on threes uh, against uh, Bowling Green. And we've kind of seen this kind of the Jekyll and Hyde of IU three-point yeah. shooting at home, pretty good, which I think is kind of a, the the norm. But we've got to find a way to maybe, you know, but we've also seen some games on the road where it hasn't been as good. Yeah, I, I think so too. But on, on the flip side of it, you know, we held them to um, 23% shooting. Of 11 from three point. Now, some of that could just be, you know, uh, the talent, but, you know, that was something we talked about coming into this game that um, Bowling Green shot a lot of threes. They only shot 11. They seem to be trying to drive it more because I thought our perimeter defense on Friday night was really spot on and it really turned up in that 0 for 11 number of three point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. If you and that was I and this uh, I didn't put this in the news, but Kathy, I did. And you and I were texting about this a little bit. I think I had it in the chat on the Substack for those who didn't see it. Um, and I got this from Austin Render. Listened to a little bit on the radio broadcast. That zero for Bowling Green snapped a six hundred game streak of at least one made three in a game that dated all the way back to two thousand and five. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's just luck. You know, you can, you, I'd like to say it's skill to hold a team to zero for 11. Sometimes you, you just get a little lucky. They miss some white open shots and, but you know, you snapped a streak that was like yeah. 600 games long. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably a good combination of both. I, I thought our, our perimeter defense, but yeah, you, I, it, there was some luck in that too, I think. So, all right, Kathy, let's move on to the game ball here and I'm yeah. going to let you go first. I don't think there's really any debate about this one tonight. No, uh, let me think. Gosh, it's gonna be so hard. Nope, Sarah, it's got to be Sarah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I'll, know. I'll double that don't. right now. <laughs> yes, I don't know you how you don't give it to somebody who goes eight of eleven from three pointer, two for two from um, from the line. Um, you know, she added a, three rebounds. Um, if you're gonna nitpick, I guess she had uh, four fouls. <laughs> but um, you know, I, 
I don't even think, oh, no, that's fouls drawn. I'm sorry. She yeah. had zero fouls. Right. 32 points, two assists, and three steals to boot. Like, if you're going to talk about a perfect game, this was pretty close to it. You know, she was, I thought her defense, I mean, Coach Morin talked about that in, you know, her press conference again about how as much as she is impressed by the 32 points and how well she was offensively, she said she was more impressed with Sarah defensively on the other end. And so I think this was just a perfectly great, complete game for Sarah. And by the way, I forgot to mention this before Kathy went, because I'm totally with her. I don't think, I think people want to have an investigation if we try to pick somebody besides Sarah, but our game broke through before the game, before this game, uh, Mackenzie Holmes was leading our game balls with four yard and Garzone with, uh, two, or excuse me, three, Sarah Scalia had two, and Sydney Parrish had one coming into the night, into this game. So Sarah's going to jump up to her third game ball here uh, for the season because I, I wholeheartedly admit, agree with what you're saying. And, and, and you mentioned a good point, Kathy, about the defense, and I saw that comment as well. But I also, one thing I noticed is when Sarah finally came out of the game, when you realized it was going to be her last time coming out, just how genuinely, and to me, this goes back to the things we've talked about with people on the show before, that the family atmosphere, there was a genuine love. There was a genuine appreciation from her teammates for the performance that she'd had when she came over to the bench that last time she came out. And 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 that's neat to see because, again, this program yeah. is really different in that respect a lot of times because a lot of times you may get a, you know the high fives, things like that. But this team, you could just tell by their facial expression, body language, everybody felt that even though Sarah had the 32 points – it, it, they were happy for her They and felt like it was it's just as easily could have been one of them. And that was the feeling that you, at least yeah. I got out of it was that they were, it was all, all for one, all, you know, one for all that family mentality. Yeah. It, and, you know, we saw the same thing with Yarden when she had her 30 point game, the previous game. Um, Maybe a notable number we should talk about is not just the bench family and the family of the team and the coaches, but, you know, our fans. They turned up again on Friday night for Bowling Green. There was 9,067 was the official attendance on Friday with night. very few students. With Yeah, very few, if any, students we, since they're all on break. And so I think that bodes really well, hopefully, because we predicted that hopefully our attendance will keep going up as we get into conference play and stiffer competition. So, yeah, we saw that with Yarden as well. You know, Sydney posted on Twitter a couple of mm. times, you know, about, you know, Yarden and how excited she was for her. So, yeah. I, I think that that Greece trip especially really um, is, is showing off and you can see it in, in those types of expressions that you're talking about. So, so, so congratulations to Sarah for the game ball against Bowling Green. Let's move on to the Grace Berger Hardest Worker of the w- Award here. As we come into the game against Bowling Green, uh, for those who are watching on the live YouTube feed, uh, Kathy has the scroll f- up on the screen. Uh, Sydney Parrish with three. Mackenzie Holmes and Lexi Bargesser with two each. And then Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister with one each coming into the game. So, Kathy, I'll let you go first. Yeah. So I think this is kind of in another game where, you know, here we have already five different people who have gotten our Grace Burger Hardest Worker and we're only 11 games in. We have five different people who've gotten it. I think there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, for example, I think, you know, Lily Meister came in first off the bench. She ended up giving some really fantastic minutes, I thought, with her, you know, her eight rebounds. Um, she was three of four from field goals with her, her six points. Um, I thought Lexi came in and gave us some really good defensive um, pressure. But for me, I'm going to go for the first time this year, I'm voting for Chloe Moore McNeil for our hardest worker award. And you, you know, I might've been kind of shown up in my comments about her when I was talking about different pivotal plays, but I thought what we saw from Chloe was again, a nice complete game. And it may not show up in the stat line per se with only, um, only quote unquote, only nine points, but I thought Chloe played a heck of a game all around again, five assists, nine points. Um, she had a couple of rebounds, but I thought defensively, she was just really tenacious on defense on Friday night, even more so than we're used to seeing, which is always really good. So for me, Chloe got my vote. Yeah, I, I had a couple ways I was going with this. I really liked the effort that Lily gave, as you mentioned, with the six points and eight rebounds. Uh, she had an assist. She had a block. I also really liked what Lene did with the with yeah. eight points, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, but I'm going to go with you. I more because I thought I saw a a more aggressive Chloe Moore McNeil 
on Friday night. And I hope that stays, especially at the offensive end, but just also defensively. I felt like she was even more so locked in. And as you mentioned, she was diving on the floor. And that's what I think was really the difference or the difference in Chloe's game on Friday night. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with you and, and, and we'll give it to Chloe Moore McNeil with the nine points, uh, two rebounds, five assists, three steals, and she only played 20 minutes, you know, so she yeah. did, she did not play the most minutes of the game. Uh, as we said, Sarah had 27, but you know, in roughly half the game. So Chloe Moore McNeil will pick up her first Grace Berger hardest working award of the year. Yes. So, um, Jeff, maybe before we kind of dive into talking about what's next, just a little bit more on this game um, that I wanted to touch on was with McKenzie. So McKenzie ended up with 10 points, um, six rebounds and one block shot. Um, so, again, I know somebody asked me during our Discord conversation on Friday to give an update on the numbers she has to catch mm -hmm. Tyra Buss. So, um, again, she needs to get to um, 2,364 points. She is currently now at exactly 20. 2100. So she has 264 points to go to grab first place. So based on the number of games we have left, not counting any postseason. So I'm not counting Big Ten tournament or um, NCAA. She needs to average around 15 and a half points per game. Currently, she's averaging 18 and a half points a game. So um, I don't know that I'm concerned about her play other than the fact of the turnovers that we talked about. And I'm not concerned about that. She only quote unquote, only put up 10 points against Bowling Green, because again, we just didn't need her to put up more with the way Sarah was. Nope. Um, I do think that it might come down a little bit once we hit conference play here. So overall, I don't think McKenzie had a bad game at all. I, and people might look at 10 points and six rebounds and say, Oh, she wasn't in five turnovers. I don't think she had a bad game. I just don't think we needed her to have an, an all-american game no but the five turnovers took away opportunities for her yes. and that's yes. that's the thing that you again we come back to talking with that is you she needs to make the most of her opportunities and i'm not saying every one of those was going to end up in a shot for her because you also look like you mentioned she had two assists which means she was finding open people as well um out of the post and the double and the triple team but Again, against Bowling Green, the game didn't move that way. They were doing a good job of trying to take McKenzie away, as you said. Um, but in 23 minutes, you would expect a little bit maybe more than 10 points. But, again, it was a different night. You know, Sarah's filling it right. up, 8 of 11 from 3 as well. And, and, again, we'll talk about – You know, we saw some comments from the workaholics in here. Um, Sydney only had five points. You know, you look at Sydney Parrish's night, five points, four rebounds, three assists, a block. Uh, but only played 19 minutes. So again, it was a little different vibe, but you know, I, we were chiming here, I believe it was Eagle Eye that we were talking with They just, you know, uh, you know, they're still kind of waiting for that bust out game for Sydney this year. We know it's in there. We know she can. And again, she's somebody that does a little bit of everything. Biggest thing for Sydney as you look at is just you're going into big tendencies. She's got to stay off foul trouble. I think that's right. an important thing for all of our starters, but I think because just because of the way coach Moran's trying to manage rotations a little bit, I think that you really have to try and keep some of your better players and your starters out of foul trouble. But I will say this, I think, again, we'll wait and see what the Big Ten season brings us, but I think she's getting some trust in these bench players. And I think that they'll, they'll be able to step up and hold their own as we head into Big Ten play. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, Kathy. So let's talk about Illinois real quick. I'm going to kind of take the team aspect here and I'll let you go into the individuals a little bit. So that game against Illinois on Sunday, New Year's Eve, 1230 Eastern time, 1130 Central. It is on regular BTN. And by the way, for all of our people who are watching or listening on in the, between now and Friday, if you have BTN Plus, the men's game on Friday against Kennesaw State is on BTN Plus. Our friend Austin Render is going to be doing the play-by-play -play on that game on BTN Plus with our also our friend and Crimson, Crimson Cast host Galen Clavio is going to be providing the color as well. So I, you know, really, you know, if you if you have the BTN Plus subscription, I would not get it for just this one game, but if you have the BTN Plus subscription, try not to miss this one. Or go back and watch it if you can't watch it live, because I believe Austin and Galen will do a heck of a job. I'm looking forward to that on Friday night. But this women's game on this women's game on Sunday is on regular BTN. Illinois is currently number 62 in the net. 
So, and they've been dropping, and, and with, they are six and five currently coming into this game. Uh, they've lost to Marquette 71 67. Notre Dame beat them 78 69. So, the, the uh, Missouri beat them 69 66. Arkansas beat them 60 59. So, four of their losses have been single digit losses. But then Michigan, their only game so far in the Big Ten, their own one in the league, Michigan blows them out in Champaign, 84-48. Uh, realistically, their best, I guess maybe their best win happened just last week. They beat UTEP 81-71 to snap a three-game losing streak. That's the other thing I think that's starting to catch up to them a little bit in the net as they've piled up some losses is that they haven't played a great strength of schedule. I don't go into the numbers deeply. I know our friend Ari sometimes will go dig into the schedules a little bit, um, but I don't with that. So, um, but six and five, zero and one in the league. IU leads the all-time series, forty-eight to twenty-nine, including twenty-five and nine at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. IU has won the, you know, knock on wood. IU has won the last fifteen in a row. The last Illinois win was February twenty-third, twenty thirteen, at Illinois, seventy-three to sixty. Indiana won both matchups last year. A very tough game, down to the wire game in, in mm-hmm. Bloomington, sixty-five sixty-one. And then a, a, a nice win, I won't say comfortable, but a nice win at Champaign, 83-72. Uh, Illinois comes in averaging 75.1 points per game, which is ninth in the league. I did some numbers crunching today, yesterday and today as we were getting ready for the show. So I was looking at the conference stats a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of these numbers later in another segment, just to preview that they're giving up 62 and a half, which is seven. So they're roughly middle of the pack in both of those. They're shooting 46.3% on field goals. That's sixth. Not bad, but it, the league's actually shooting pretty well when you look at the top teams. But they're only shooting 31.3% from three, which is 14th, dead last in the league right now. But they attempt 17.73s per game. So they're really struggling to shoot it, to hit it. But as Kathy was mentioning earlier, going to have to stay on our toes defensively. Um, they only average 11 turnovers. They force 15 and a half and they are plus five in rebounding margin, roughly the same as Indiana. So that's going to be another key stat I look at. Um, Kathy, I've talked enough about the team. How about you take a look at some of the individuals? Sure. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, from a scoring perspective, they are led by Genesis Genesis. Bryant. She is a 5'6 senior guard. She is averaging 15 points per game, an additional three rebounds per day per game, three assists per game. And she is shooting 46% field goal percentage with 42% from three. Um, and if she gets fouled, she's pretty good there at 85% from the line. So her scoring has her 13th in the, the conference right now. Last year, she made the second all big 10 team. And um, she had her first year, two years at NC State. So she's another transfer into the Big Ten. Um, Makira Cook is also there in double-digit scoring. She's a 5'6 senior guard as well. She is 12.5 points per game on averaging so far this year, four rebounds per game, and three and a half assists per game. Additionally, she shoots 34% from the field, but here's where, you know, maybe that um, three-point shooting that we're, you were talking about, Jeff, she's only shooting 27% from three. So that seems maybe a little uncharacteristic from her. Um, she was first team all Big Ten last year, so I can see that she could start heating it up. So I'm hoping our perimeter defense is like we saw it on Friday night, um, because while they're not shooting it great, as you mentioned, last in the Big Ten, um, we don't want them to start getting heated up against us on for, on uh, New Year's Eve. Um, Makira Cook also, by the way, was her first two years were at Dayton. Um, also, another player you should watch, also double-digit average right now, is Kendall Bostic. Kendall is a 6'2 senior forward. She is currently third in rebounding in the Big Ten, averaging 8.7 rebounds per game. She's scoring 12.5 points per game. Um, and she's shooting 70% field goal percentage. So, again, um, be interesting to watch that matchup. I would expect, don't you, that she'll be matched up with McKenzie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would expect so as well. Um, she is was the second team all Big Ten last year. And her freshman year, she spent at um, Michigan State. She is a, a Northwestern High School graduate where uh, they had a two-time state champion. 
And then the last person to, to watch is another double digits um, average scoring person, Adelia McKenzie. She's a 5'10 junior guard, averaging 10 and a half points per game and four and a half rebounds per game. And last year she was all Big Ten honorable mention. So um, in terms of matchup, I, I think I would expect really to see that Kendall Bostick and McKenzie going at it. Um, and then I'll be curious if um, Chloe Moore McNeil is on Genesis Bryan or on Makira Cook. But either one of those two players, I would expect um, Chloe to be kind of matched up on. Um, maybe leaning towards the Genesis Bryant just mm-hmm. because she is kind of leading in that that scoring range and you know uh, keeping that at bay. And then maybe Sarah on Makira. But those are kind of the the three matchups in particular that I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, and the big thing there with Makira Cook is you really see that drop off. Um, and, you know, she was in; she was a much better shooter last year. I think if I looked at it, she was a forty-some percent free free field goal per shooter. Her threes were in the thirty percent and shooting free throws. So that that she has really dropped off shooting wise from this year. But again, as we said, has the ability to get hot. The thing here, Kathy, I'll go back to this a little bit last year. And again, teams are different. I know that. But this was the kind of team that really gave us fits last year. Athletic guards who could hit the three, but also were just as good at penetrating, getting deep into the lane, and either drawing a foul or just finishing at the rim. And if that, that first game down in Bloomington was really kind of like that, where we really struggled at times to guard Genesis Bryant um, and, as, you know, in that game in Bloomington. Yeah, I, I I I remember, and I think that's what took so many of us off guard last year with um with uh, that Illinois game at home, where I thought they kept it really close. And so, I, you know, the concern I have again is, you know, they do shoot a lot of threes. So again, that long rebound, and we've not been really great on the defensive rebounding side. And can we keep them from getting hot in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden having a great game? And we don't we don't want Makira um, Cook to to have her breakout game against us in our own our own place. So, definite perimeter defense and rebounding again. And can we force more turnovers than Illinois averages? I think that will be an interesting thing to watch too. You know, they have a very low turnover rate for a team, mm. but have only 11 turnovers so far this year. Um, so I, I'll be interested to see if maybe we can ramp that up for them this time. And a number I'm going to be keeping an eye on, and may not be one that I should necessarily be like take to the bank, but I think McKenzie has to out-rebound Kendall Bostick. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at that number. I, I, I yeah, Kendall Bostick cannot yeah. go for 12, 13, 14 rebounds, and McKenzie only gets seven or eight. McKenzie yeah. needs to have a double-double kind of night, I think, up against a Kendall Bostick, and it maybe even get Kendall Bostick in foul trouble. Bostick's good player. Don't get me wrong. A little undersized for the five in the Big Ten, but she's going to battle and and she's going to work hard. But McKenzie will have a little bit of a have some size advantage in there, and I think that's one that if I'm coaching them, that I'm going to try and exploit. Now again, they're probably going to double or or as soon as on the catch, you know, bring a double something like that. But I think McKenzie has to really outplay Kendall Bostic here, and and then then hope that Chloe Moore McNeil does her magic on the defensive end with either Genesis Bryant or Makira Cook, whoever, you know, they assign her to. So, um, but this is a game you can't overlook. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten schedule here in a segment or so, but we're going to move on. Kathy, anything else you want to add about about Illinois? No, I don't think so. Hopefully it'll be a good way to to finish up the year. I think (laughs) we talked. Yeah, I think if we go back to the preseason – I think we both felt like this is a game that we should, you know, we ought to win. We should win. It's at home in the league. But this is also one of those games we talked about that Illinois could be a dangerous opponent. And I think they still are, even though their record right now, they're scuffling along a little bit at six and five. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we're going to go into a little buy and sell segment here. Oh, Kathy even made the, the banner for the YouTube feed. All right. Hey, oh I was trying to fool her a little bit. In fairness to Kathy, I kind of threw this all together this afternoon and kind of was like, hey, we got this. So Kathy, you can pick either the, the raw number, buy or sell, or where they're positioned at in the Big Ten, buy or sell. All right. And, okay. Uh, okay. So IU currently averaging 80. IU's currently averaging 80.9 points per game. That puts them six in the Big Ten. Buy or sell. Um. I'm going to say both. Um, I, I think that um, actually more, 
probably sell on both sides. Interesting though, I, I think that their points per game might go down as the competition and the defense goes up, but I think that they'll finish higher than sixth. I agree. I, I I totally agree with that. That's and from that standpoint, I think the number will the raw number will come down, but I think their overall average or, or their their ranking in the league, I think, will move up. I agree. IU allows fifty six point five points per game currently. That's third in the Big Ten by yourself. Yep, I'm kind of in the same spot here. Um, but I'm going to push. I think third in the Big Ten seems about right where they might finish, maybe a tick higher at second. Um, I do think the 56.5 points per game, again, will go up. I think the competition is going to increase, and I think we're going to see a few more teams like Iowa and Ohio State and other teams that can really put up the numbers. I don't think we'll continue to um, to force below 60 points per game. Yeah, Kathy, I, I totally agree with you there. And and just you know, we're not going to get any more bowling green and, and Stetson type scores. So right. uh, I'm no I'm with you. I think the points. number, I think the raw <laughs> number goes up, but I think third, I agree a push there. I use shoots 51% field goal percent, 51% from the field. That's first in the league currently by yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm I'm buying this too. Again, same kind of concept here. I think 51% will come down. That just seems to be a really crazy number. But if you know we can get the ball to McKenzie and Sarah keeps you know shooting it the way she does, that might stay the way it is. But I think first is doable in field goal percentage. I believe the raw number comes down under 50%, not much, maybe 48, 5, 49 ish, because again, we're going to play some better defensive teams. I'm I'm thinking, I'm not sure they'll stay at first. I the top three, yes, but I'm not sure they stay at first. Uh IU gives up 34, IU allows 35.4% field goal by the opponent. That currently ranks first in the Big Ten by herself. Yeah, same thing here. I think that 35% will come up a little bit. Um, but again, I think first place in uh, field goal percentage allowed, I think that's also a doable number for this team. Yeah, I, I I buy that one. I think they can lead the league in field goal percentage defense, even though it will come up a little more toward 40. I think they're or 38 yeah. even. You know, they're they're gonna, I think they're there. IU shoots 36.8% three-point field goal percentage. That's fourth in the league by yourself. So this is an interesting one. Um, I, I think I'm going to continue to maybe be a push on both of these just because of what you were alluding to earlier. At home, I think the number's higher. On the road, I think it's going to be, we just seem to just dry up. We saw that at Stanford in particular and at Maine and, and on the road. So I think 36.8% is probably about where we might end up this year. Um, fourth place, yeah, maybe right around that that range too. Yeah, I think the number will come down a little bit. I think there's just going to be some nights where we don't shoot it as well, uh, especially as you're going to get more true road games in the Big Ten now. Um, but I think they can be third, maybe fourth in the league in field goal percentage, three point field goal percentage. Currently, IU allows to, the opponent to shoot 26.9% on threes, which is third by herself. So allowing 26.9% from three. I think that goes up. I think we're going to see some better shooting teams, but if our perimeter defense stays locked in on Friday night, the way, um, the, the way it was Friday night against Bowling Green, we'll see. But again, I think we're going to run into the Caitlin Clarks and other, you know, JC Sheldon and people that can put up threes. I think that goes up in terms of where they land right now. They're third. That feels about right to me. Yeah, I think they may drop a little bit, but uh, not much. I'm with you there. I, I guess I would say sell slightly just because I think they may drop to fourth or fifth. But yeah, yeah the numbers, the raw number is going to come up. This is one I think is concerning. IU shoots yeah. right now, IU is shooting 68.8% free throw percentage. That's 12th in the league. Buy yeah. or sell. Uh, I'm maybe putting on my uh, crimson colored glasses here, but I'm going to sell both of those. I, I think that they end up shooting better than 68.8%. And certainly a lot better than 12th in the league. Um, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I I do think they're a better free throw shooting team than that number shows. I'm with you, but if it doesn't, and we may be sitting here at the end of the season talking about a couple of games where free throws cost them. Yeah. If yep. it doesn't. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, IU is currently out-rebounding opponents plus five per game. That's seventh in the Big Ten. Buy or sell? Um. I'm a little concerned about the the rebounding. I wouldn't be surprised if that margin goes up from 0.5 or plus five. And I think this is a number for me in particular, if they can't do a little better out rebounding the, the opponents, I think they're going to, that's where I think we'll definitely see some, some games dropped as well. 
Yeah, I'm going to sell here as well. I'm real, uh, This is one that concerns yeah. me, and I would not be shocked if we end up around ninth or 10th in rebound margin at the end of the season. Assist to turnover ratio. Indiana's 1.7 assist to turnover ratio. That's second in the league. Buy yeah. yourself. I'm totally buying that and honestly wouldn't be surprised if I see that go up and um, to first place by the end of the year. I think that's about where we finished last year and the way Chloe especially is running the, the show right now. I, I'm buying that one. I'll buy that as well. I totally agree. IU right now is averaging 20.3 assists per game. That's second in the league. Yep. Same thing there. Um, maybe it comes down a smidge, who knows, um, with a better defense. But again, I think that we can move up even into that first place range. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. I think that both those numbers may come down slightly. It might go to 18, 19 by the time we get to the end of the season, but it's still going to be first or second in the league, I think. Uh, let's talk about some individuals. Mackenzie Holmes is currently, as you said, averaging 18.5 points per game. That's fourth in the league. Sarah Sky is at 16 and a half, which is 11th. You buying or selling that they stay in the top 15? I'm going to buy both of those. I, I think that, you know, McKinsey in particular can stay in the top five. I could even see Sarah moving into the top 10 if, mm-hmm. if she continues to have the shooting nights that we can see from her. You know, she's already put up 28 points and 32 points. Um, I can see her moving up. I agree. I'm, I'm going to buy on both of those as well. Uh, McKenzie Holmes, 6.8 rebounds per game, which is 12th in the league right now. Sydney Parrish at 6.2 rebounds is 16th. Buy or sell that they both stay in the top 20. In the top 20. I definitely am buying top 20. Um, I'm hopeful that McKenzie can get herself back into the top 10. Um, I'd really like her rebounding numbers in particular, that 6.8 to go up. That six from Sydney, um, I think is probably right on. If, you know, she can squeak into that top 15. She's 16th right now. Um, that would be nice. But I'm t- I definitely buy that they'll be in the top 20. I really hope that McKenzie can move her per- her rebounding number up. Okay. Mackenzie Holmes shooting 65. And I agree with both of that. I'm okay. buying on that. They'll stay in the top 20. Uh, McKenzie I thought maybe Holmes, you were just scared to, to say on that one. Yeah. McKenzie, <laughs> McKenzie Holmes, 65.6% field goal, second in the league. Yarn Garzon is 48.3%. She's 13th currently. Buy or sell, McKenzie stays in the top five. Buy or sell, Yarden stays in the top 15. Yeah, I, I buy on both of those. I think McKenzie, you know, she, I think she ended up leading the league, right, last year mm-hmm. in field goal percentage. Um, and I think Yarden can finish in the top 15 as well. Um, again, the interesting thing with McKenzie, like you you mentioned, you know, can she start handling the double team a little bit more and not turn the ball over? And I think that will help her improve field goal percentage as well. Yeah, I'm 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 going to say sell here on Yarden. I'm just not sure that Yarden, as we get into the league, is going to continue to be in the top 15. But I think she'll be top 20. But I think the overall percentage will come down a little bit, uh, just because I think you're going to see Yarden shoot a little bit more as we get into the Big Ten season. Her her outside shots or no, the number of outside shots will increase compared to some of the post up opportunities I think she had in the non conference season. Um, Sarah Scalia, 47.9 percent three point field goal percentage. She's first in the league. Buying or selling that Sarah can stay in the top. Can she stay first or at least top five? I think she can stay first. I think she is really dialed in here. And and I I don't see it here, but isn't she not first in free throw percentage as well? I mean, I would be shocked. I think she's only missed like one or two free throws all year. I kind of went past free throw percentage. I'd have to go back and look just because we were shooting it so bad as a team. I didn't look at the free (laughs) throw individuals. Well, I'm going to, in my mind, she's first in free throw as well. So I'm going to buy both of those. (laughs) I think her percentage comes down from the three-point, but I think she can finish in the top three at least. Yeah, I'll look it up and I'll text you later and we'll come back and talk about this on another episode. But because I found Mackenzie Holmes at 71.4% free throw percentage. She's 16th. I wonder if maybe Sarah hasn't shot enough free throws. There's usually some kind of standard for a, a minimum attempts per game, something like that. So I'll go back and look at it again, but I am uh, usually I, the Indiana jumps right off at me. So, but anyway, Mackenzie oh, Holmes can, can yes. Mackenzie crack top 15. Okay. Yes. Brandon here on Twitter is saying um, she has not shot enough free throws yep. to be first. So thanks Brandon for fact checking yep. us on that. Appreciate it. <laughs> she will be by the end of the year. No, <laughs> that's my bad. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Where are we at? Um, can Mackenzie get, can Mackenzie move up? She's 16th currently. Can she yeah. crack the top 15? I think she can move up to in the top 15 on free throw percentage. Um, I, I hope so. And I think hopefully maybe we can get Sarah shooting some more, um, maybe driving and getting fouled a little bit more. 
Chloe Moore McNeil's averaging 5.1 assists per game. That's good for sixth. Yarden at 3.9 for 11th. Can Chloe get in the top five? Can can Yarden get in the top 10? I think Chloe can get in the top five. I'm buying that. I think I'm going to sell on Yarden. I think maybe she can finish in the top 15. I think top 10 might be a bridge too far for her. Um, but, you know, again, it's kind of dependent on um, – how the rest of the team is shooting as well. But I, I definitely think Chloe can get in the top five though. Chloe Moore. We'll go this one real quick. Chloe Moore McNeil, 3.7 assist to turnover ratio. She's first in the league. Can she stay? Can she did this last year? Can she stay there? Yeah. Um, yeah. She finished first in the league in the assist to turnover ratio. And I think she'll finish there again. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think McKenzie, I think Chloe will be first in assist to turnover ratio. McKenzie Holmes, 1.4 blocks per game, which puts her fourth. Can she stay in the top five? By herself. I think buying that. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to be in the top five p.m. I agree. This is an interesting one. Uh, this is an interesting. Chloe Moore McNeil is currently averaging 1.8 steals per game. That's 13th in the league. And for as good a defense as this team traditionally plays, they're not a high steal rate team per se. They just like to, they'll just lock you up. So can Chloe crack the top 10 in steals per game by herself? I, I think she can. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I would have thought she would already been in the top 10. And again, it, you know, that's a good eye test to see, you know, defense versus just stats in this case. And so I think her defense feels more top 10 <laughs> than the 1.8 steals at 13. But um, I think I'll buy that. I'm going to feel optimistic too. on it. I will yeah. too. I think she can get in the top 10. Um, I'm, I'm going to take this out, but just kind of curiosity, just more about your idea of how, where we are with this team. Sarah Scalia leads the team with 29 minutes per game. That's 18th in the league. I think that's a good thing, Kathy. I think it's great because we've sat here, we've sat here for basically two plus years talking about the amount of minutes our starters have played. And we are only starter in the top 20 in league and minutes through the, basically the non-conference season is Sarah Scalia. I think that's a good thing. What do you think? I do too. I think that, uh, you know, as much as we've been harping on get the bench playing more, get the bench playing more, get the bench playing more. Um, I think it's been playing more, which I really hope that again, gets kind of, you know, um, catapulted then into conference play. But, you know, we've seen then when we get into these tight games, we already saw it, I think in the Rutgers game, when we were on the road, coach Morin really tightened up and she tightened mm-hmm. up fast. And I think we basically only had two bench players in that game playing. So I think that Sarah's minutes, unfortunately are probably going to go up and that's not going to hold her at 18th. I think that all of our starters minutes end up going up depending on, like you said earlier on the foul trouble that we hopefully don't get into. Okay. So that was a little bit of fun. I mean, I'm, and Kathy, thanks for playing along with me because I threw that at you this afternoon. You weren't as fun. prepared for it. I want, I didn't want it to be a, something you had like two or three days. I was thinking about this for a day or so. I was like, let's do some buy, sell something. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. So let's talk yeah. about the big 10 and we're not going to do this in every episode, but we got a little bit of time here and the big 10, essentially everybody's played one game so far, but realistically the big 10 is going to begin this weekend. The big 10 season will begin this weekend. Um, and here's the schedule. And then Kathy, I want you to tell me which games intrigue you um saturday ohio state at michigan both one and zero in the league minnesota at iowa both one and zero in the league excuse me rutgers at northwestern both zero and one michigan state at penn state both zero and one and then wisconsin at purdue both zero and one and then sunday maryland at nebraska both one and zero. so give me a game that intrigues you in that of those matchups um, I, I, I'm going to pick two. So the first one I think is the Ohio state at Michigan. Um, you know, Ohio state is, you know, they, they were held pretty close with Penn state there for a long time. It took them overtime to win. Um, you know, they took, but they took UCLA down to the wire. And I think Ohio state is an interesting team and I'd like to see how they do on the road against Michigan who is a team we're not quite sure on yet. And so I think that game in particular is going to tell us a lot about both games. And and the same kind of line with that, Minnesota at Iowa. I think Iowa comes away with this win for sure. However, I'd be curious to see how close Minnesota is. You know, that's a team we've been talking about in Minnesota about being the surprise team of the Big Ten so far this year. How do they handle now going on the road playing the caliber of Iowa against the sold out crowd. Um, I think Mm. that's going to tell us a lot about Minnesota. I don't know that we learn anything new about Iowa in that game. I like those two games that you mentioned just because, but one thing I'll throw out there, 
in both of those games, the loser's really not out of the league race yet. I mean, it's it's one of those where, you know, if you're Ohio State and you lose on the road at Michigan, okay, you're on the road. You can maybe live with it, even though you might have ex- thought you would win that game. You go on the road as Ohio. I, I, that one to me is the one that's kind of like, oh, man, I, I, I'm going to try and tune into that game if I can find it, as long as it's not on BTN+. Plus. Um, because I think that if OSU goes in there, I've always been a big believer that you win the league by winning at home and winning as, and stealing as many games on the road as you can. And yeah. here's an opportunity for OSU to steal a win and on the road. Uh, after they'd struggled, they really they 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 had a they went to overtime with Penn State, and they were almost lucky to get into overtime with Penn State in Columbus earlier in the month. Yeah. Um, the Minnesota game, I'm with you. I, I'm trying to figure out exactly how good they are, and I think we'll kind of, we'll kind of get a better idea of where Minnesota is. Charlie Cream has them in uh, the last the bracketology that came out yesterday that I posted in the Substack. So right now he's at least believing enough in them. Um, the game that really intrigues me is Saturday, Michigan State at Penn State. The loser's probably going to be really having a hard time making a move in the league standings uh, because you're going to be 0-2. There's going to be teams that are 2-0, and you'll have lost a game at home You know, you know, in yeah. one of those because Michigan State already lost at home. Penn State here now, if they were to lose, they're going to be 0-2 on the road you know, and have lost at home. So uh, that's the game I'm going to kind of keep a side view on, kind of, kind of a corner of my eye watching that game. Um because we're still not exactly sure how good either of those two teams are. Michigan State's getting a lot of love from the net as we go through the season, and they've gotten some love from Charlie Cream. That's started to back off here a little bit. But, again, they've put up points. This is a team that's, that's I believe, first in the Big Ten in points per game right now. So we'll see if they can continue that type of, of scoring mentality when they get there. The other game I'm really going to be interested in is Maryland at Nebraska on Sunday. One and zero in the league, both of them, and Nebraska is never an easy place to play. We're still not exactly sure how good Maryland is. Are they that fourth, fifth team like we thought they would be, or are they more a sixth or seventh team in the league? So we're going to find out a little bit about both teams on Sunday, Kathy. What do you think about that game or the Michigan State? Yeah, game? yeah, that that I was going to mention the Maryland Nebraska game too. With being on the road in Nebraska, you know, I've, I've been to a, a game in Nebraska when Indiana was playing. Then it's a tough environment, you know. The I think Lincoln really does a great job supporting their sports, especially their female sports, their women's sports. And this is not going to be any cakewalk for Maryland. And I think that one will also answer a couple of questions we have. And so um, I think you know, back to the Minnesota Iowa game. I don't think it's a question mark of Iowa. I think we know what we have with Iowa. I think it's a question mark of Minnesota right now because if they go in there and get their doors blown off, maybe we come back and we say, you know what, that Minnesota non-conference was a little bit of fool's gold. Um, and we'll see how it goes. But then again, you can also chalk it up to be in Iowa. So, um, but the Maryland, not Nebraska, because Maryland seems to have been, you know, we're not quite sure what they are anymore. Um, and coming into a, a rough t- um, road environment, I think we'll see if they keep that close or even pull out the win. That might answer a few questions for Maryland. And I, I think agree. that would um, show us that maybe, yeah, they really are that kind of fourth um, team in the, the conference. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The other game um, that we didn't mention, we're not trying to just be rude about, but Wisconsin at Purdue, it's at Purdue. I would expect Purdue to win that game. Yeah. Um, if they don't, if Wisconsin goes into West Lafayette and pulls out a victory, victory at Mackey, I think that tells us a little bit more about Purdue than it does Wisconsin. Um as well. So, but I would expect that, you know, to, to Purdue to get that win there. So Kathy, let's move on as we wrap up the the podcast here tonight and get your final thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it was a great way, this Bowling Green game, what we came here to talk about um, originally was the Bowling Green game. I think this is a great way, a nice tune-up for them coming into the, the teeth of the, the Big Ten Conference. And so, um, you know, they're going to at least be able to open up at home against Illinois and that will bode well. I hope we see a ratchet up now of our attendance. You know, we've been averaging right around that mid 8,000 attendance, which has been fantastic. We hit the 9,000 mark against Bowling Green. I really hope that that keeps going up and especially once the students come back. So I'm expecting to ring in the new year with a win from our Indiana Hoosiers for sure. Yeah, what a, a nice way to go into the Christmas break, get a few days off. I'm sure Coach Morin gave them a few days. They probably came back on maybe Monday. They might even have had to be back in, in, in by Monday evening and be ready to go through a workout, excuse me, Monday evening. 
Maybe since they don't play till Sunday, she didn't. She waited till to bring them back on Tuesday, but she was able to give them a few days away, I'm sure. And and you, and it, no better way than going out on a 49 point victory right. into your into your break. Um, but I think now you get down to what really Coach Moore's talked about in the past. The season is about winning the Big Ten, getting as good a seed in the Big Ten term as you can, and and that will all set up your your NCAA tournament as well. But you're you're the defending champion. And you're going to get everybody's best shot, including Illinois, on Sunday at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. So um, you're just going to have to be ready game in and game out for everything that's coming. So um, with that, so we'll wrap it up here and, and, we'll, and we'll get some Bob Thompson music that Kathy's going to throw up for us. <laughs> I got a little, little happy. <laughs> Mackenzie has happy feet and I had a happy mouse. That's all right. <laughs> I've messed up enough things on the producer side of the show. So up next, we'll return on Wednesday because I'm actually going to go. My family and I, we're actually going to go down to the game for Illinois on Sunday with New Year's Eve. Hopefully get back to Rensselaer before the crazy people get out driving on the highways uh, but, but and, and celebrate for here at home. But we'll be back on Wednesday, a week from tonight, January 3rd at 8 Eastern, 7 Central to wrap up the Illinois game and preview the Michigan game, which will be on Thursday, January the 4th. Uh, also want to remind you, Simply Call Radio will return tomorrow night for their regular show. If you want to see us uh, do the show live or be a part of the live chat, the Workaholics here, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at, that's the at sign, at Back Home Network, youtube.com slash at Back Home Network. You can be a pri- part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Uh, special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Designs for designing our logos and helping us with do a lot of the artwork you're now seeing us we do on, on Substack. Um, and then also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you hear throughout the podcast. And thank you guys for listening. Great job, Workaholic, seeing a bunch of you in here tonight on, over Christmas break. Really appreciate that. Or wherever you're getting your podcast feed, uh, we appreciate you listening to us and, and giving us any feedback you possibly can. Kathy and I always enjoy meeting fans of the show when we're out in in games or places around. Also, we do want to remind you there will be an assembly call kind of back home network meetup on February the 2nd in Bloomington. Um, Kathy and I are going to both try to be there. Uh, I know Kathy's going to be there. I have maybe some radio obligations here in the local community. I'm going to have to wait. That's girls sectional week here in Indiana. So it'll kind of depend on how the local team does in the sectional. Uh, but we want to thank everybody for listening. And then we'll be back to talk at IU Hoops with you next Wednesday. Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Good show. Well, happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. I agree with Kathy. Yeah. Be safe out there. Yeah. We don't go anywhere. We just have friends come over. So um, we decided to quit going to the bars a number of years ago after we paid $75 yeah. to get an Uber to come two miles home. So we decided, you know what? We're just going to be a little cheaper. Mm. We'll get pizza. We play a lot of games, watch football, and we yeah. have a great time. So That's- we are having about nine of us this year. It'd be good. That's pretty much what we do. We just stay home with family and, and and chill and kind of do some stuff around here, eat food, watch football and basketball and whatever we can find on the on the on the TV. And but we just don't it's as old the older I get, the less I want to be out possibly trying to I'm okay with not drinking on New Year's Eve and being the designated driver, but I don't it's the other people who are out driving in the middle, right. you know, yeah. at night that, that worry okay. me. So so anyway, but Kathy, I hope you and Sean have a great new year. Yes. We will talk to you next week when we talk about this Illinois game, hopefully a victory. Happily. All right. All right. Thanks, well, we'll everybody. Talk to you next year, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.